to hear the word of the Lord. So we're going to uh, be into uh, sharing the Proverbs again here. In us live here in just a few minutes. There we are. Very good. And uh, the red light is still on, so we, we should be good to go here for a minute. Uh, both of our, our elders and their families are, are gone today, and so I'm going to share a few announcements, but I would encourage you to take a look at the, uh, the bulletin that we have here in the back. There's a lot more announcements there and a lot more just updates of, of different uh, church activities that are happening. Uh, there's a, a, we've had during this time the COVID crusaders that have called people that have, have been shut in or just to keep track of people in the church. If you would still like to do that and if you would like, if you have not been doing that but you think, man, I would be willing to call or write a card to someone on a regular basis, then contact Chelsea and she will sign you up to, to be able to do that. Um, there are life groups. We're prayerfully going to start life groups here this next month. If you have not completed the survey that was forwarded to, out via Flocknote, then at the end of assembly, there's going to be a QR code up here where you can go to the survey. There's some paper copies in the back that you're welcome to fill out as well. But we'd like to hear from everyone, and we understand that during this time of COVID, there's going to be some changes on how life groups may work, and, and we just want to hear from you. There's also a grief ministry uh, that has been started by Dan Morgan and Bess Schrader, and they will be meeting here tonight at 6 p.m., and everyone is welcome to participate in that who would like to as well. Change cans, Mountain States Children's Home will be collecting change cans next month. And so if you don't have a can, there's some in the back. But you can start bringing your cans back next month. And if you are short on change, you're welcome to drop a check in there just as a donation to the Mountain States Children's Home as well. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, for guys, if you're interested in participating in a men's group, at noon on Fridays here at the church building, let me know. I'm just gauging interest and see who is interested in participating in something like that. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and uh, go into our assembly, and we'll start with the uh, opening prayer. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for today and the opportunity to come together uh, and just worship you uh, as a group and just um, pray that you just bless our time as we sing songs of worship to you and as we listen to a lesson. Uh, help us just to take what we learn and apply to our lives as we go out uh, into the world this week and come into contact with people uh, who may not know you, God. I just pray that you would um, just bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be reading from Exodus 34, 6 through 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequality and transgression and sin, but who will be no means clear the guilt visiting the inquility of the fathers of the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Welcome, everyone. Glad that everybody could, could be here this morning. Uh, we have a number of people that are going to be meeting online with us. 
again, whether they're, they're local and are, are home because of COVID or they're traveling or are somewhere else and they are choosing to meet with us this morning. So if you're meeting with us online, welcome. We're glad you're here with us. We have a new device that we're using to broadcast, and it's, it's a better device, and we're working out some of the, the kinks with it as well as uh, trying to improve the sound. The picture quality is a ton better, but uh, we're going, we've got some things we're working on as far as that goes as well. Hey, we're going to be in the Proverbs, and uh, so you're welcome to, to turn there, and I'll have, have them posted here behind me. But before we jump into the Proverbs specifically and, and which ones we'll look at today, I want to walk back a little bit and, and just think about and talk about how, hang on just a second, I'm trying to get to the next slide here, but I'm sure I'm creating a technical difficulty here somewhere. Okay. Okay, if we, it is on. Thank, thank you, Dan. Thanks very much. Yes, yes, it is on this time, right? That does happen. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Things are about to get exciting. There we go. All right. So there is, um, I'm still pushing the button and it's not, hey, if we need to, we can use the handouts that I, I passed along here as well. Okay. Thank you. Oh, that's right. Okay. All right. See, it's always me, isn't it? It's always me here somehow. These, these tech geniuses are phenomenal. They have to not only navigate the tech stuff, but they have to navigate me as well. But we're getting there, okay? All right. So there's, there's some things that we see about God in Scripture when we go from the beginning. I love reading the account of creation because what you see is God looking down and saying, I'm going to create something that is amazing and is beautiful. And he creates the plants. And if you remember from Genesis 1 and 2, what did he say? He creates the plants and he says, it is good. And he creates animals. And he says what? It is good. And he creates the sky and the planets and everything. And he, what does he say? It is it is good. And he creates mankind and he says, oh man, that's not very good. No, that's not what he says at all. He says, oh, it is very, very good. And God's excited and he shows his generosity in saying, I want to create something beautiful and I want to bless my creation that I've made because it's amazing and it's wonderful and I'm excited about it. And we see God being generous in that way. We see God being generous in the Exodus as his people, centuries later, are in slavery in Egypt. And he sends Moses down and says, Moses, I want you to take my people and I want you to bring them into a land that's going to be their own. And a land that's, as he says, flowing with milk and honey. And there's, I'm going to, to do whatever I can to bless these people. I'm going to give them laws so that they understand how to approach me. I'm going to feed them when there's not food. And in all that, God demonstrates that he is a God that is generous, right? How many times do we see in Scripture where the people are surrounded by some enemy and they cry out to God and God demonstrates his generosity by taking care of them, by protecting them. How many times do we see God blessing individuals? I think about the story of Job where Job loses everything but God doesn't finish the story there. He continues to bless Job and blesses him after he loses everything more than he had before. God is a God that is generous, right? We see it with, um, 
with not only individuals, but we see it with, with foreign nations as well in the Old Testament. God sends Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh and say, 40 more days and this city is going to be destroyed. And the Assyrians repent in sackcloth and ashes. This big capital city of this major superpower, they repent and say, maybe, maybe if we repent, then God will not bring this disaster on us. And, oh boy, Jonah doesn't like that. He's upset. He wants them to burn. You know, that's, you know, that's what he wants. But God says, wait a minute. Shouldn't I be kind and compassionate? Shouldn't I be gracious and generous towards these people as well? Not just you? Not just the people that you want me to be? And we see that God is a God who is a generous God. I think we see it maybe more than anything else is when Jesus comes, God sends himself to become a sacrifice for us so that we can restore this relationship with God. And we see him giving the Holy Spirit in us. And we're going to come back and we're talking about the Holy Spirit here in a bit. But the point being is that when you look back through Scripture, you don't see little spurts where God decides, if we can say it this way, wakes up some morning and says, well, all right, I guess I'm going to be generous today, but it's really not my nature. I would rather be cranky. I would rather be upset. And I would rather throw lightning bolts down from heaven. But I guess today, because I'm feeling it, I'm going to be generous. That's not how God works. Just like God is a God of love, God is a God of generosity. You see that as part of his character and his nature, and it just flows out of him. And so as if that's the God that we serve, we understand from Scripture that we are to imitate the God that we serve, right? The qualities that we see in him, we're to demonstrate those. And so what the Proverbs do is they teach us what it means to be generous from the heart and how to do that. And so let's read some from Proverbs chapter 3. And if you remember the first chapters, first 10 chapters of Proverbs, there's a lot of themes that are introduced and then there's little bite-sized nuggets that we get later that help us understand what these mean. Okay, and the proverb writer says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. In other words, if you can be generous, if you can be good, do it now. Don't withhold it. Don't wait. Do it now. How many of you have missed an opportunity to do good and be generous towards someone because you thought, mm, I need to think about that for a little bit. Yeah, we wait, and we miss it. And then we think, oh man, I wish I would have done that. God's telling us here, don't wait, just be generous. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Now think about this. I know I read a book here a while back. It was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Have any of you read that book? Hey, there's some, some stuff in it that's really helpful. That's really good to consider about doing business and, and that sort of thing. But I remember what Kiyosaki, the, the author, said in there that I, I really wrestled with. He said, the last thing you ever pay are your bills. Because what you do is, if you pay your bills first, then you get weak, you get lazy, and you don't work as hard. But if you take all your money and you invest it in other stuff, and then you pay your bills last, then you do a lot better in life, and you make a lot more money. And I remember reading that thinking, wait a minute, no, that's not what the Proverbs say here. That says the opposite, is that if we owe something to somebody, pay it, because it's going to pay off in the end. Anyway, we'll get to that. So what we see with the Proverbs is they're going to take issue with some of how we tend to do life. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done no harm. Those aren't generous things when we... we curse the people around us or people that are they're nearest because God cares more about the relationships than he does the bottom line. 
He continues on here. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways, for the Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, and he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks the proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. We look at all of this as what God is telling us is that if we are people that are generous, then, then we are people that connect with the heart of God. And if we're so worried about ourselves, then we're going to miss the heart of God completely. Okay? And so we get into some of these bite-sized nuggets here that talk about what it means to be generous on a practical level and have the heart of God for us. First of all, it is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Now, there's a, a, a big word that is used here, a harsh word, if we can say it that way. You notice, what is the third word, fourth word up there? Sin. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor. But on the other side, it's blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. So this starts with where our heart is at. If we have someone around us that we see is in need and our perspective in our heart is, oh, no, I hate this. I don't want to deal with them. I, I just hate it when, when there's need there. Then Scripture has something real clear to say about that. It's called S-I-N. It's called sin. It's called bad. It's called going the opposite direction of the heart of God. But blessed is the one who is kind to the people around us that are in need. That's demonstrating the heart of God. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor, and whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Okay, if you notice here, here's two sides of this coin here. If we're generous, then there's great blessings that come. Sharing with those in need, God looks down and says, hey, there's great blessing, I'm going to shower on people who do that. But if we shut our ears to the cry of the poor, and we, then our own cries will not be answered as either. And so you see the positive and the negative side of this. Remember, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus in the New Testament, this is what got Lazarus or the rich man in trouble, is that he walked in and out of his door, and Lazarus was there and was sick, and he fed his dogs better than he took care of Lazarus. And God says, nope, 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 nope. That is not what I want you to be. That is not what my people are supposed to be. This is called, or it can be called, the boomerang effect. Now, how many of you have a boomerang? Anybody have a boomerang? Okay, do you, guys, do you guys throw your boomerang ever, once in a while? Have you gotten it, Mike, where you can throw it and it'll come back? Not well. Not well. <laughs> it doesn't happen extremely well. How many, have been, is anybody good at it, throwing the boomerang, and it's just like second nature? Tony, I believe it. I believe it. I bet you anyway killed rattlesnakes with your boomerang, right? Oh, man. Okay, I'm, I'm going to watch this. Some, we're going to get you out in the parking lot to throw your boomerang, Tony. We're gonna watch, I'm going to watch this. But a boomerang does what? It's from Australia originally, as I understand. You throw it to hunt game. If you miss, the boomerang comes back, you catch it, and you can continue to throw. And that's what the proverb writer here is saying, Solomon is saying, is that if you are generous, then hang on because a lot of good is going to come your direction. If you pretend that you can't see the need around you, shut your ears to it, then understand that there's going to be times where God shuts his ears to you. And you will not be blessed as you could because you have not blessed others. Okay, this theme is going to come up again here. We'll come back to it. 
Here's another one. One person gives freely, yet gains even more, and another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. The uh, idea here is one person gives freely or scatters. The idea is someone who has a bag of seeds and is just going, throwing it out all over the place, scattering freely because they've been given abundance. They're, They're glad to scatter around because of all that they've been given. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And the idea here is a spring. Out in the hot desert, you imagine the water comes up and it gushes and it just continues to give and give and give refreshment to everyone who comes. That's what a generous person is like and there's prosperity that comes in that. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. So this is a message here is that if you have the opportunity to take over some market, be careful because it may backfire. That's the, the proverb here. How many of you recognize the name Bernie Madhoff? Does that name ring a bell? Okay. He got in trouble a number of years ago because he ran this scam and was taking people's money and they thought that they were making money and they weren't. And he was pocketing it. And so he ended up in, in prison and, and uh, doing some time in one of those minimum security prisons. And I remember something that came up on the news that during his time there, and I don't know if he's out now or I'm not sure what he's doing, but I don't know, some of you may have, have heard this or read it, what happened, is as he was in, in prison there, he figured out when the supply trucks would come and there wasn't going to be one for a time, and he went and bought all of the hot chocolate packets and then had a corner on the market and, and marked them up four or five times and was selling hot chocolate packets because he had the only hot chocolate packets in the prison. Okay, the point here is don't do that. He didn't make any friends doing that. It made things worse for him. And this is the point that uh, the writer is getting across here, is don't act like that. Be willing to share, and because relationships are more important than the bottom line, ultimately. Think about it in this way. There is, uh, we can uh, read all sorts of business books in our world that will have some tremendous stuff in them, that will give us some great ideas, that will help us out a lot. But some of them will go to the point of saying, ultimately, your effort and what you do is 100% of the wealth that you make. And God would say differently. The people reading the Proverbs originally would say differently. They'd say, there's a God who has created the world, who is over everything. And wealth is not just a matter of making the right investments at the right time. Wealth has a whole lot to do with how you treat other people. Because... The personal relationships with others are more important than the bottom line. And you may make money for a while. You may make a killing here at some point in time. But it's all going to come and bite you if that is more important than the people around you. Because that's, that's the real riches. That's the real value. Let's continue on here. Here's some others. Many curry a favor with a ruler, and everyone is the friend of the one who gives gifts. Now, this is a double-edged sword. I know that when we are generous towards each other, we tend to remember those things, right? I remember when Sylvia and I got married over 18 years ago. Boy, people were so generous to us, just showering us with gifts uh, for us to start our new life together. And uh, they probably because they knew me and knew that I ate out of the same bowl all the time or whatever else. And so like, this poor Sylvia, we've got got to set her up or life's going to be tough for her. But I remember... And I still remember, I'm sure a lot of it I've forgotten, but it's amazing 
when we pull different things out that we have in our house. I still remember at times, oh, I remember who gave us that. I remember who was generous to us and blessed us in this way. Eighteen years later, I still remember that. The person that gave it to me probably has no idea and doesn't remember. But we remember when people are, are kind to us and are generous to us, and, and we build friendships that way. But there's another side to this. I have a friend that um, um, I knew him long ago when we were young together, and he is extremely wealthy, extremely successful now. And one of the things he told me, he said, Chris, here, this is a while back, several years ago, he said, I really appreciate the friends that I have before I had all of this. Because the friends that I gain now, I'm never really sure, and it takes a while, whether they want to be friends because I'm wealthy and they want something for me, or they want to be friends just because they want to be friends. And so I really appreciate those people that were my friends long, long ago. Because that can be the, the double-edged uh, the side of it, is uh, when we are able to, and in a position to give gifts, we have to watch those friendships more, more carefully and more closely. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Now think about this and unpack it here for a second. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Hey, our tendency in life is to think any interaction that happens is an interaction that happens between individuals, between Gary and myself or, or whoever it may be. In Scripture and in the Proverbs we see this, and especially this one right here, is that interactions are never just between two people. There's always something more there. Because God is there and is present in those interactions. So think about it this way. And I don't think this way naturally. I have to go back to Scripture that helps me remember this and helps convict me this direction. But think about this. If you are talking face-to-face with someone and they are asking you, they're in need, and, and they're asking you this. Our tendency is to think, all right, well, I don't know. Are they deserving? Are they worthy? Did they make good decisions to get themselves in this position? That's where our minds tend to go immediately. But what if we thought like this? Right behind this person is standing God himself. And God is standing right there behind, just watching. How are you going to handle this particular situation? I think if we think in those terms and realize that God is involved in any interaction that we make in this life, we might be more generous towards the other person, right? Because we can look and say, wait a minute, this person may or may not deserve this, but I see a God that is standing there right with them. And if I am generous to this person, God is there, God sees it, and it's as if I'm being generous to God himself. And do I think the creator of the world can make me whole for whatever I may lose or whatever I may give up at this point in time. It makes us think differently, doesn't it? When we see interactions as being divine and personal that way. That's helpful for me to think in those terms. Let's look at some more, a few more Proverbs here. The cravings of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. And here's a contrast here. Is that if we... If we sit around, uh, the, the definition of a sluggard is one who, who just is always about me, 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 me. I want, I want, I want, but not willing to do anything in order to receive that or to put themselves in a position to receive that. 
And so a person can have these high standards about this is what I think life is about, and I crave more and I crave more and I always want more, but never seems to be enough. But the contrast is the righteous continually, whatever they have, whatever little they have, it may seem little at the time, are always able to give because God has a way of making them whole. In addition, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. This is something we see over and over again in Scripture as well, is that if everyone is created in the image of God, how we treat and how we interact with each other reflects directly on how we believe God is active in our life. Because if you see me as someone who is created in the image of God, I see you who is created someone who is created in the image of God, then we tend to treat each other better, don't we? Because there's things that you and I would say and do to each other that we would never do to God. And God says, it's the same thing. The things that you do for those little ones, as Jesus says, you do for me as well. The fact that we're created in the image of God is, in God's mind, so important that it should influence every interaction that we have with others. Now, there's... You may think, and I remember reading some of these Proverbs thinking, wait a minute here, this, there's got, I know the Proverbs don't have a footnote, the pro, usually. The Proverbs are just these little nuggets that are generally speaking, but I feel that if I do what the Proverbs tell me to, that I'm just going to give constantly, give, 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 and what about me? What about my family? How does that work? How does God work? Is there a limit to any of this? Well, there is, according to, as far as generosity goes, in the Proverbs. And here's the footnote that I'm going to give you. One who has no sense shakes hands and pledge and puts up security for a neighbor. Okay, we're going to talk about some context here and what this means. So typically what happens, if there's an agreement or a loan given, it's between two people, right? Or between the person and the bank. But in this time, just like ours, once in a while, a third party is called to come in and be part of that exchange. And so I know that when my kids open checking accounts here a while back, do you think the bank is about to give minors a checking account without my signature on it? Not a chance. They're going to do that. And here's the concept here. So if someone walks up to you, let's just imagine, Gary, can I use an example? Okay, so I approach Gary and I say, Gary, here's the deal. I need to borrow this money and... I, I need all of that to, uh, uh, I, I have all these plans and I, I need to borrow all this money, so I'm going to do that. And, and so Gary says, well, Chris, what are the guarantees that you're going to pay me back? How is this possible? And what I do is I say, hey, Beth is my friend, and Beth says, Beth is going to strike a hand and pledge, is going to give a handshake and say that I'm good for it. Okay, this proverb says, Beth, don't do it. Be very, very cautious when you're brought in as a third party. One who shakes has no, one has no sense shakes hands and pledge and puts up security for someone else. You become the third party. That's what is being spoken of here, the third party. Whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer, but whoever refuses to shake hands and pledge is safe. And so again, what happens if someone comes into town in this time period and says, hey, have I got a deal for you? I have, I'm a Nigerian prince, okay, you know the story, you get those emails, I'm a prince and if you send me such and such amount of money, then I'm going to, to quadruple it and you're going to become rich if you just send me money, right? There's, how many of you get those phone calls every day or a few times? 
This is what is being shared here, is don't put up security for someone who is getting into a bad business deal that they don't know what they don't know the person, they don't know the character. Furthermore, take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge if it is done for an outsider. If you must be the third party in one of these exchanges, then make sure you have a down payment here. That's what the garment is about. Okay, now Jesus, because this became way out of control with the, the Jews of Jesus' day, and so Jesus says, all right, you're just taking garments because you want to take garments. You need to give it back. You need to deal honestly and honorable with people. But that's the idea here, is that um, be very, very cautious if you're called to be a, a third party in, in an exchange somewhere. Because what God wants for us is to be able to deal person to person and deal honestly. Again, let's go back to face to face. If Gary and I, if I approach Gary and say, Gary, I'm in a spot... I need some money. I need to borrow something. Here is the nuts and bolts of how I I believe the Proverbs speak to how we should handle a situation like that. The wise thing, I think, for Gary to do is to reflect and think. All right, Chris is, uh, is someone who... Maybe he needs this and maybe he doesn't and, and prays through that and, and wrestles through that. And Gary can look at his own life and say, you know, I'm in a position where I can be generous. I can be generous. This isn't a matter where if I have to choose if Chris is going to eat or if I'm going to eat. I can be generous. And maybe the best thing that I can do right now is do this. Chris, I understand that you're in a tough spot. Here's what I have, and I can give you. And I'm glad to be generous. If you can someday, you're welcome to pay me back. If you cannot, this is a gift. There's no hard feelings, and it's just fine. In fact, be generous towards someone else. And if Gary deals with me like that, what do you think I'm going to do? Is the relationship going to be broken? Not likely. Not likely. Because what Gary is saying is, I know the God who created the world. I know the God that has everything in abundance. Maybe he has been generous to me for this time that I can be generous to someone else. And if it comes back from Chris, that's fine. And if it comes back in some other way from God, that is just fine. But the relationship is more important than making sure I get my money back. I think there's something very wise to those Proverbs because there's a lot of relationships that are destroyed because of money. And according to the Proverbs and according to the heart of God, nothing is worth those destroyed relationships. And so the Proverbs speak about how careful we must be as we, uh, we enter into those agreements with each other. But here's one big fat exception that I came across that really impacted me this week. Because God, in his wisdom and in his character, has in in a way, not taken his own counsel. And let me share with you how that's worked. Because the same examples and the same language that is used for do not strike your hand and pledge for somebody else, you know, don't be the third party there. God has done exactly that in the same language he's used in Scripture for what he has done. It's as if you and I are standing there 
And Satan is saying, you are full of sin, you are full of all this trash, you're full of these shortcomings, and you are mine. You belong to me. Because you have fallen way short of what God has, has created you to be. You're mine. Eternity with me. And God steps in and says, no, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. I have my Holy Spirit that I am giving as a deposit. I am shaking hands and pledge with them so that you know, Satan, that they're mine. You see what God has done here? Is that God has taken all of the risk in our relationship to bring us back into his community. He's taken every bit of the risk himself. And the very things that he tells us in financial dealings, be very, very careful with, God has said, I will go the extra mile with my people. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in them as a deposit guaranteeing that I've got them, that I've got them taken care of. And I know when I read that, because I this week, because I didn't realize that those are the same terms, the same terminology, what that did is it helped me understand even deeper the heart of God. Is that God is a God who is generous beyond my wildest imaginations. God is a God who is willing to take the risk, who is willing to give me his Holy Spirit as I follow him, and is willing to say, Satan, I know, yes, yes, he owes you everything, yes, yes, he is is full of shortcoming, yes, all of that. But I am willing to sign on the dotted line that he's mine and I will take up the, the slack. And that's where the sacrifice of Jesus came in, as Jesus came as a perfect sacrifice for all of us so that God can give us his deposit and say, he, she, you're mine. And if that's the case, it helps me understand this next scripture as well. Being generous, First uh, John says this, this is how we know what love is. Christ Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? If there's a person next to you that's hurting, that doesn't have, our job is to see that and bless. That's what God tells us. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech. We can say all sorts of good things, can't we? But with action and in truth. Man, that's what God calls us to be. Something I've noticed is I've never met a person who is a mature Christian that was not generous. Because this is something that's very key to the heart of God. It comes straight out of him because he is a God that has demonstrated from the creation of the world a great generosity up to giving us his Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing that we're going to be with him. And so that, the Proverbs, these scriptures, understanding the heart of God, changes me. And I hope it changes you as well, coming face to face. Because uh, one of the things that's been really neat during this time, COVID, all of that, you remember at the very beginning we said, no one here goes hungry. Somehow, some way, everyone will be provided for. And it's amazing. Some of you, as, as you thought you may lose jobs, didn't happen. There was abundance that came that we didn't anticipate. In fact, when there was the great toilet paper shortage that we'll talk about probably the rest of our lives, somehow, God always provided, didn't he? Man, isn't it great to be part of a community of God that we've got our shortcomings. We've got our times that we're selfish. We've got our times that we are not as generous as we could be. But reminders like this help us to remember 
that being stingy, protecting our stuff, protecting my piece of the pie, is never going to get us anywhere because that's not the heart of God and that's never how he has dealt with us. But the more we're willing to step up and say, I am willing to be someone who is generous to the people around me, and I don't do it for show, I just do it because that's the way God has been for me, then hang on because the only time that God says, I've shared this with you, the only time that God says in Scripture, test me in this, it's in Malachi when he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and you see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and bless you beyond what you can imagine. That's what God's promise is for us. And my hope for you is um, if you've not become part of the kingdom of God, if you've not be dedicated your life to follow Christ and become a Christian, then we can change that today. You can confess a, a faith in God. You can uh, repent of, of the way life has been. You can submit to God in baptism today and become part of this community that God has given us an example to be generous to everyone around us. If you want to do that, head to the back, and uh, there'll be people back there that will pray with you and um, and help you through that process. If you would, uh, it's it's just a great day to be a Christian, isn't it? It's a great day to be a part of a community that is called to be generous towards each other. And again, if today is a day where, boy, if you're in need, you don't have to be, because we're called as people of God to be generous to one another. We'll uh, go into the Lord's Supper and we'll celebrate that, and then we'll sing our way out here in the next little bit. Lord Supper crew, come on down. This morning as we prepare our minds and hearts for partaking of communion, I want to read...